We are in our final message of our series called Revive Us. And uh, I, I, would, I just want to start with a, a little funny story. So an atheist was walking through the woods, looking at all the beautiful trees and the flowers that had just bloomed. But because he was an atheist, he couldn't thank anyone for the beautiful landscape that he was witnessing. And as he gazed at the sky, he saw a bear running towards him. He jumped up and he began to run uphill. Not knowing any better, he continued to run uphill. A bear runs best uphill because of their large back legs. So it's always better, just note if you're being chased by a bear, it's better to run downhill than uphill. Anyhow, the atheist fell to the ground and thought for a second and said, well, I don't believe there's a God, but maybe this one time I will call upon his name. And the atheist said, God, I need your help. Since I don't believe you exist, I have a request. Will you make the bear a Christian? Just then, the wind stopped howling, the creek stopped running, and the bear stopped, knelt to the ground and said, Dear Lord, bless this food that I'm about to eat. <laughs> we have journeyed through a return to the word in this we have we have actually anchored ourselves around a quote that says that we cannot organize revival but we can set our sails to catch the wind from heaven when god chooses to blow upon his people once again and so we've chosen to set our sails by a return to the word you know in week 1 we looked at king josiah and how when the law was found in the temple, he called the people to return to the word of God. And I hope over these last few weeks you have felt compelled to return to the word. That you are intentionally daily making a space for the word of God in your life. Then we journeyed with Nehemiah. And we looked at travailing prayer, the labor of prayer. And I'm so excited to know that our, our Wednesday morning prayer meeting is seeing fruit and it's growing. Because we got to stand in the gap. This world needs us to labor in prayer for them. And last week, we heard the call of John the Baptist to repent. To see who we really are before a holy God. And this week, this week's message, I think, is the key to returning to the word, to travailing, to laboring in prayer into being a people who repent willingly and freely and daily. 
And see, the key to all of this is the Holy Spirit. It's my heart's desire for us as individuals, as families, and as a church to catch the wind of heaven as it's blowing. And, and I hope that like me, you have this sense of this blowing wind that, that there is something happening in our midst. The Spirit is sweetly present with us when we gather on Sundays. And he's moving our hearts. And we thank him for that. And we pray that today is no different. So if you know this story, it's history, it's fact. Jesus came to earth born of a virgin. The Holy Spirit was involved in that. See, in prior to the New Testament, the Spirit would move differently, but he was present in the world. He would come upon kings and prophets. He came upon Mary and she conceived and gave birth to a son. The Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one. And God took on flesh and became human, but didn't lose his godness upon the incarnation, upon the birth. See, the Lord knew that we would need him to identify with us in a practical way. And so he did. And Jesus lived on this earth, and he performed miracles, and he called a group of men to himself. And he poured into them, and he taught them. He discipled them. He helped them learn to think the way of the kingdom, to live the way of the kingdom. And they lived three years with Jesus. And they walked, and they talked, and they ate with him. And they slept in the same room. And they traveled about. And they knew Jesus. And Jesus was honest with them. He told them what was going to happen. He told them that he had really come to die. But they struggled with that message. They struggled. In fact, Peter said, I'm not going to let that happen. Don't worry, Lord. And Jesus says, Peter, you don't get it. Get behind me, Satan. Only the devil of hell wants to stop this plan. And so it happened. In this bewilderment, in spite of being told, Jesus was arrested and he was tortured and he hung on the cross like a common, violent criminal, stripped naked, beaten and bloody in the hot sun. God on a cross. And he died. He died. And the ground shook, and the curtain in the temple tore, and the world was dark. And his friends took him off the cross and placed him in a borrowed tomb. 
to see a sacred holiday was happening and they couldn't be defiled. Passover was coming. So they, they quickly prepared him temporarily, placed him in a tomb. A huge boulder was rolled over it to protect anybody from stealing the body because he said he was going to be raised. Then on the third day, the women come and they come to prepare him for proper burial. But the stone is rolled away and his burial clothes are folded neatly. Young adults, take note. Jesus did his laundry. Be like Jesus. He folded it and he left it. Because God's alive. Jesus is a risen Savior. And then for 40 days, he walked with those disciples. And he ate with them. And he showed up in rooms when he was unexpected. And the doors were closed. And he talked to them. And he ministered to them. And then if we were them, this next part would have been a horrible moment because they were gathered together on the mount. And Jesus says, it's better for me, it's better for you if I go. There's no way they bought that. They're like, what do you mean you're going? And he says, it's better. It's better for you if I go be with the Father because the Father's going to send the promised spirit. So stay put. Don't leave the city and wait. Wait for the promise. And then he disappeared. I think if I was there that day, that would have been traumatic. Because I can't imagine being with the resurrected Lord and being okay with him just leaving. I would have wanted to hold on tight. But see, something amazing was coming. And so if you've read through the book of Acts, you know, see, Jesus had stood there and he said, it's better for you if I go because you are about to receive power when the Spirit comes. Power to be my witnesses here in the outer regions and to the ends of the earth. Power to be my witness. And so the disciples are gathered and they're waiting. Maybe it was 11 of them. Maybe it was 120 of them. But in Acts 2, we're going to read verses 1 to 4. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So there's some context here. We know this as the day of Pentecost. 
and the birth of the church. But it wasn't new. It didn't just begin that day. See, this was a feast day. This was a Jewish feast. It was Shavuot. And it's 50 days after Passover. It is two of the three pilgrimage holidays where the Jews, the men, would have to travel to Jerusalem. So they would travel for Passover. They would travel for Pentecost. And they would travel for the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles, which is what we're in. We blew the shofar last week on the eve of tabernacles. So this was already a meaningful moment. And in fact, although it was an agriculture feast, so that they would bring the new grain, the the wheat harvest, it was actually also a celebration of the giving of the law. So this was entrenched and enriched and part of their culture. It wasn't new. It wasn't new. So here we are, the disciples, gathered together waiting because Jesus says, don't go anywhere till you receive the promised spirit. Because you're going to receive power to be my witnesses. And now they are on the celebratory day when they celebrate the law being given. That same God who gave the law to Moses. Like this is rich. This is why we return to the word and read and learn so that we can connect the dots And realize that there's not one isolated story in scripture. So they're there. And it sounds like a rushing train. And this wind comes. And it's loud and it's disruptive. And people notice. Now, because it's a pilgrimage feast, there are people from all over Jews and converts to Judaism have come to Jerusalem. The city has swelled. All the different nations are represented. And you can read it as you go through the rest of Acts 2. You know, they were there from from Libya and Cyrene. The Cretans were there. And this rushing wind came and for those in that room they saw something and they experienced something what was described like a tongue of fire came upon them and then split apart over them and they all began to speak in different languages and as they left the upper room Peter shows up And when I mean he shows up, I mean, this is the guy who when Jesus says, I'm going to the cross, he says, no, I'm going to protect you. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. This is the guy who couldn't stay awake with the Lord in the garden. This is the guy when the soldier came, cut off his ear. Peter is impetuous. He gets ahead of himself all the time. 
This is the one who, when Jesus had been arrested, people heard him talk and said, hey, 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 I know you. You're, you're with that Jesus guy. He said, no, I'm not. Don't you dare say that. Three times, Peter, who had been on the mount, who saw Jesus transfigured, Jesus, or Peter, who walked on the water with Jesus, said, I don't know him. Three times. Peter comes out of that upper room filled with the Spirit and preaches the sermon of his life. See, the crowd that was around heard these people talking in, in their own languages. But what they saw must have looked like such a spectacle because they said, they're drunk. And it's like nine in the morning and they're drunk. Peter says, no. They're not drunk. Well, you're seeing what has happened was told about by the prophet Joel. When the Lord said through Joel, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. He says, the Lord says, that he's going to show the wonders of who he is. See, on this day, in that place, in the midst of the feast, everything changed. See, they were living out these prophetic days. where the Son of God, the second member of the Trinity, had hung on a cross and died, walked out of the tomb, lived life, left, and then the Spirit came. And they were never the same. And that day, that historic day in Jerusalem, that Luke records for us in the book of Acts, that day's ours to have because it was the fulfillment of this prophecy that that the Lord is going to pour out his spirit the same God poured out his spirit then pours out his spirit now see everything changed before the Holy Spirit came that day in Jerusalem the disciples lacked the moral strength to stand they, they live life with Jesus. And yet they fell asleep and couldn't keep watch with him to pray in the garden. They walked with Jesus and didn't know how to yield to the plan that God was bringing to pass before their very eyes. They lacked a strength See, before the Spirit came upon him, Peter denied the Lord. 
Oh, and by the way, in case you don't know, he didn't just randomly deny him. Jesus had called it out ahead of time and said, by the way, Peter, you're going to deny knowing me three times. Peter's like, I would never do such a thing. And then he did. Does Peter sound familiar? Does he sound a little bit like you? A little bit like me? But see, this thing happened. Power came. When the Spirit came. See, the Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity. And our perfect triune God, one God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, he knew we were going to need power. He knew that the disciples were going to need help. They were going to need help because the message of the cross would threaten the government. It would threaten religious systems. And it was going to threaten the social order of everything. Not much has changed, has it? The cross today threatens the government. It threatens the religious systems, including the one called Christianity. It threatens the social order every day. The disciples required power to be witnesses, to live the life the Lord had set before them. To be living proof. If you've been with us for a few weeks, you might be starting to see a theme. We were in the book of James in a series called Living Proof. This is how we live and people can see who we belong to. We get stagnant and we get tired and we are impetuous like Peter. And we need an awakening. We need the Lord to revive us. And we need to be revived in our love for the word. We need to be revived on our knees in prayer. We need to be revived in our convictions. We repent. And all of this requires the move of the Spirit. See, it's the Holy Spirit who brings power. There is, we've talked about it before, in Second Chronicles chapter 7, when the temple is being dedicated, Solomon calls all of Israel. And there's this moment where this wind comes and the Spirit fills the temple. And then that day in Jerusalem wasn't to the temple. The Spirit went, but it was on the men and the women. See, if you know Jesus, if you have a personal relationship with him, the scripture assures us that upon confession of faith, when we, when we accept Jesus as Lord, when we say, you're everything you say you are, 
and I am a sinner in need of a savior. I'm going to live my life for you. When we make that covenant, the spirit takes up residence with us. He actually tabernacles with us. He pitches his tent and he lives in us. And it's a mystery, but that power resides in us through the spirit who's been placed in us as a deposit, as a guarantee of our inheritance. The word that is translated power here in Acts is the Greek word dunamis. And it means miraculous power. It means ability. It means abundance. It's where we get the word dynamite from. Power. Power. To stand up. As Paul did. And preach this sermon about the unknown God. Power. That the disciples had. To not recant the truth of what they knew in the face of their own death. Power to be witnesses throughout the whole earth. Power to be living pieces of evidence that Jesus is true. In order for us to truly be revived, we need the Holy Spirit. Ed Stetzer in his book, The Comeback Church, writes this. It's ironic that most evangelical churches are filled with people who live very much like the world but look different from them. It should be the exact opposite. We should look similar to those in the community but act differently. Study after study has shown that in North American, that North American evangelicals engage in the same lifestyles and the same sin as the unchurched. We need to be revived. Listen, I... I have lots of people in my life who don't know the Lord. But we're all in trouble. We're all in trouble if they don't see a difference in me than they do in themselves. We're in a lot of trouble if you can't see any difference in me than those who do not know Jesus. We're in a lot of trouble if as a body... As a family of individuals, if we are not living different lives than those who do not know our Lord. We've been called to be living proof. Set apart as examples that not only is Jesus alive, but that we have the power to live differently. Sin does not have to have a hold in our life. Charles Spurgeon says, without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. 
We are ships without branches. We are ships without wind, branches without sap. We are coals without fire. We are useless. I don't want to be useless. Do you want to be useless? I don't, I don't want to be useless. I want to make a difference in this world for God's kingdom. See, there was this moment where I encountered Jesus. And he changed everything about me. He changed my thinking. He changed my heart. He changed, he changed me from, I was a good person. I mean, I was a teenager. I hadn't gotten into any trouble at that point in my life, which I thank the Lord for his protection. But I'm not who I was. I, there's something about having the Spirit of God living inside me. See, even when I feel entitled, there's this check in my spirit. It says it's not your life. You live for me. When I, when I want to, well, listen, if I'm on the 401 and traffic's bad, I have bad thoughts. It happens. Now, the length of time I have that bad th- those bad thoughts gets shorter the closer I draw to the Lord. Praise the Lord. But see, we can go to church our whole life. We can go through all of the motions. But we can never truly be alive. The same God, the same God that transformed Abram into Abraham, the same God who who took Peter and empowered him How about Paul? There's this guy named Saul, and he hates the church. He hates the followers of Jesus. And in fact, he has a special letter, and he's going out to arrest everyone. This is after the Holy Spirit has come. And he has his letter. And he's going to arrest everyone, men, women, children. It doesn't matter if you are the the people of the way. If you're following Jesus, Paul's got your number. (sighs) But Jesus had his. And he was stopped dead on the road. He lost his sight for a period of time. The Lord humbled him fast and hard. Changed his thinking, changed his heart, changed his mission, and then released him. Now imagine being in a small town. They didn't have Facebook. There was no Twitter. 
You didn't get a text that says, hey, Paul's coming. And this murderer of the people of the way shows up in your village. And the air goes out of the room. And he says, no, 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 I'm here to tell you about my Jesus. See, this spirit, the Holy Spirit, transforms the most vile human beings into saints of God. And here's the thing. We still mess up. We still make mistakes. If you are looking for a perfect person, please look away because it is not me. But this thing happens. I don't think the way I once thought. I'm not the person I once was. And if you know Jesus, you have your story. If you know Jesus, then the Spirit lives in you. And that Holy Spirit is the one who raised Jesus from the dead. I often wonder... When I read through the New Testament and I see all the exciting journeys that Peter had and Paul had and, and Luke had and, and the whole, the whole like acts to revelation that what John got to see on the Isle of Patmos. Your life should not be boring. If we are walking in step with the Spirit then I promise you, your life is not boring. Because he will guide you. And he will bring people to you and he will give you words to say. And he will use you to be the difference on this earth today. If you want to be revived... You need the Holy Spirit. See, we were created to be family with God. Do you think about that? To be sons and daughters, we use that language all the time. See, in my house with my family... We're, we're close. We were messy and joyous and fun and in the good and in the bad, but we're tight and we're together. There is an intimacy that we have with our kids. We have been invited to be family with the creator of the universe, to be family with God. All of the brokenness in this world is because Adam and Eve turned away. They made a choice to go their own way. And before we start blaming them for all of our problems, we do the very same thing. 
we choose to go our own way. How do I know? Well, let's just start with the easy stuff. We stop making reading of God's word a priority in our life. It begins to lose authority when we're not engaged in it daily. If we're not hiding the word of God in our heart so that we do not sin against him, we're in trouble. My children have to talk to me. I make them. I make them. Now, thankfully, they love to talk. So it's not all that hard. I, I want my children to talk to me. You know, and, and Daryl and I are here, and we have Daryl's mom and dad with us. Here we get to worship together, and mom and dad want Daryl and I and their grandchildren to talk to them. It's relationship. So when the Bible is not our priority, when talking to the Lord is no longer our priority... When we make excuses and justify the things in our life that do not honor God, we are on missional drift. And we need to be revived. So we can't be too hard on Adam and Eve because we tend, even the best of us, tend to go it our own way every now and again. Loved ones, it is sin that wreaks havoc on everything. Our minds, our hearts, our relationships, our attitudes, our actions, nothing is ever left untouched by sin. In week one of this series, I share this quote, that revival means days of heaven on earth. Do you want that? I, I want days of heaven on earth. I want days of heaven in my life now. And God is faithful to do his part. But I have to choose him. And you have to choose him. And I don't mean choosing him in the day that you came to faith. Although if you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus... He's calling you and inviting you to know him. But if you know him as Lord and Savior, he's still calling you to choose him today. If you feel like your faith is flat, if you feel like it's stagnant, if you feel like you're not hearing from him the way you once did, return to the word. Labor in prayer. Repent of your sin. And yield to the Spirit in your life. See, here's the gift. The Spirit who inspired this book is the Spirit who will help interpret it for you. The Spirit who dwells in you will stir things up in you. The spirit that dwells in you will convict you of your sin 
so that you know what to repent of. We need to be spirit people in order to experience heaven on earth. We need to become spirit-dependent people. And again, loved ones, as the worship team comes up, you will, you will come to know that I am pretty crazy about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit. And in the new year, we are going to do a complete series on the Holy Spirit. Because we need power. Power to be his witnesses. Power to be faithful to the call on our lives. And so this morning, it is the spirit that is stirring you. It is the spirit that is bringing things to your mind, to your heart. Maybe it's about your time in the word. Maybe it's about prayer. Maybe it's about sin. Your choice is to be obedient to how the spirit is moving in you. And that is the gift of our God that makes no sense to me. But he will not force you to choose him. He will invite you to come. He will invite you into relationship. But he will not drag you. He will not force you. But he will beckon you to come. You are loved and you are wanted. And I believe it is the heart of our Father for us to be a people who can experience days of heaven on earth because we've been revived. Let's pray. Abba, Father, thank you. Thank you that you have made every way. Thank you for sending your son. Jesus, thank you for your obedience to the mission. Thank you for taking our sin. Holy Spirit, thank you for making me a temple, for making us a temple. We are so unworthy, and yet you choose to call us sons and daughters. 
Lord, I don't, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. I know who holds the future of our church, of the world. And we invite you, Lord, to have your way. To make each of us who you've called us to be. May we be a people of spirit power. May we be a church that is holy devoted to you. So Lord, we bless you and we honor you and we put our hope and our trust and all of our days into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said amen and amen. May you be blessed abundantly as you live obediently to the King of Kings. Have a wonderful week, church.